The opposite of fear is bravery. Hmm. Nope. The opposite of fear is curiosity. Is the glass half empty? Is it half full? That misses the point. Elevating curiosity will help you see and understand what's in the glass. This is Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast of curiosity. In each episode, Becky Saltzman interviews unconventional thinkers and doers in her unconventional way to dissect and uncover what you can use to see things others miss, make better decisions, and apply your talents in new and profound ways. Elevate curiosity, escape the boundaries of ordinary. The other problem would be if you do it over and over and over again, and if you give them your frequent traveler number, they might actually cancel your card. Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, episode 22. I am your host, Becky Saltzman. And today, I think you're in for a special treat, particularly if you've been curious about how people are able to have these amazing travel adventures on budgets that are half of what you might think possible. Or how do all these people travel and not work? Today, we're going to take a little peek at that. And it really started for me several years ago when I attended what is called the World Domination Summit. This summit may not be what you think. There were no safe words involved. Actually, may have even been before the proliferation of safe spaces. There were speakers and entertainers. I attended out of sheer curiosity because the summit claimed to highlight curiosity. So how could I not attend? And in this case, the World Domination Summit, the curiosity was for exploring one question. How do we live a remarkable life in a conventional world? At the summit were people from all over the world, and a lot were travelers, people who spend a lot of time adventuring, blogging, posting, some on a full-time basis. I actually met quite a few vagabonders. I love traveling, and I love meeting people who can share adventures through which I can live vicariously. I could probably travel oh, 75% of the time, maybe more because I like my house. My job does take me a lot of places, and actually I can probably do most of my job from almost anywhere, as long as there's an internet connection. But still, for years I assumed that I couldn't travel even a fraction as much as I would like. But at the summit, I started questioning that assumption. One of the first things I wondered was, how can all of these people afford to travel as much as they seem to travel? The demographic of the summit wasn't exactly retired, nor did it seem wildly affluent, but I kept hearing people mention this thing called travel hacking. I had no idea what it was. On the first day of the summit, I met Guillaume Cher. Guillaume was from, is from Geneva, Switzerland, and we hit it off immediately. Guillaume, like a lot of the people at World Domination Summit, had traveled the world, and he was, at that time, a fledgling travel hacker. That was the first time I heard that word, travel hacking. Guillaume introduced me to the idea of maximizing travel opportunities and adventures in the most cost-effective way. That's how I describe travel hacking. And today, Guillaume Cher is my guest. In addition to being a professional and personal travel hacker and founder of Miles Addict, Guillaume is the founder of WeDo, a digital consultancy agency to help startups grow from idea to launching a product. And he defines marketing and sales strategies for customers in more than 10 countries. He also led the regional development of a data security business in French-speaking Switzerland, and he was a high-end video surveillance expert and engineer. I asked him about his week that he spent in the basement of the Kremlin, although he was even less forthcoming about his security projects in remote sites in the U.S. We talk about some amazing adventures that he has had that he would not have been able to have if it wasn't for travel hacking. We talk about how the four C's help save you a ton of money while amping up the adventure component of your travel. We talk about what is hidden city ticketing and what are the major airline alliances and what should you do to take advantage of what they offer. How to fly around the world for much less than you ever dreamed possible the best credit cards for amassing the most awards points, how to design your fantasy adventure. This conversation is chock full of specific things that you can do to book a trip that may seem impossible. And also 
do not miss going to the show notes for this episode at appliedcuriositylab.com forward slash blog, because there are way too many links that you don't want to miss out on if you want to take advantage of even a few easy travel hacking techniques. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you are able to have some adventures and save some money in the process. And in order to help you do that, here is my conversation with Guillaume Cher. Hi, Guillaume. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi. Great to, great to be here. I want to understand before we get started, what exactly is travel hacking and also what specifically does a travel hacker do? Well, travel hacking is basically, I'd say, a way to optimize the, the travel experience. And it's not illegal. It's completely legal. Okay, sometimes some things are a bit on the gray area, but most of the time it's legal and we're just trying to find loopholes and issues in the booking systems in order to maximize the travel experience. So it might be flying in business class for the price or economy, or it might be sometimes just getting upgrades or just uh, or adding some extra extra things to visit on a trip. It, it really depends. But the goal is really to maximize the experience. Is this just the flying experience or does it include all of the other aspects of travel? Flying, hotels, car rentals. No, I mean, basically the whole experience. It could be, it could be getting you to travel, to fly on a, on, on a private jet for a, for a small trip. It might be sometimes cheaper than a, uh, than flying on the on commercial or it could be i don't know sometimes getting a helicopter for almost nothing or as an add-on as an extra on a regular uh, on a ticket or it could be just uh, getting a free free nights free free car rental or sometimes not free but most of the time cheap or cheaper than what that that's, that you could do on without doing this kind of uh, systems what is the difference between a modern day travel agent and a travel hacker? In other words, are there different qualifications? Are there different requirements? Are there different limitations? Can you unwrap that? So a travel hacker is, I'd say most of the time, a self-learner, someone who got interested in figuring out how we could optimize the travel experience without breaking the bank how we could travel like across the world or around the world for the price of, uh, of, uh, of a meal next door or something like this. I mean, it could be just most, most travel actors I know, they started out of a need to discover the world, but with limited financial means. Travel agents, basically what they will do is they will, they will work for you and f- to, to book to to book some some flight tickets, some hotels, or a complete trip, whereas a travel hacker will most of the time do it for himself or for some other people, but adding some extra extra things which most travel agents will not be allowed to do. When a travel agent does a booking which is outside of the the or official rules, there are lots of time hits by something called ADM, which is a agent debit memo which is basically a fine from the airline to the agent say, hey, you did a booking by doing this, this, and this. This was against the rules. So you'll get a fine of this amount plus fair difference. Okay, so does the agent debit memo fine apply to someone who gets busted who is just doing travel hacking on their own? No, it's it's actually given to the travel agent. So just to give you an example, the other day I helped someone book a flight from Europe to South America. And at some point I managed to book it so that it goes to another city than what, so what was booked. And, it will, and they will not go all the way to the end of the ticket. If it was done through uh, by a travel agent, there's a very high risk that the airline will get back to it and say, hey, you've, you've did something wrong here. 
here you have to pay the fair difference plus a fine of about $100. Is that what you call the hidden city ticketing? Hidden city ticketing is actually one way of, which is most of the time not really liked by airlines. Let me give you an example. I have a friend who's flying tomorrow from Zurich to Geneva, and he booked his ticket today. The problem is booking a one-way ticket from Zurich to Geneva for tomorrow. Right now, it costs $300, and it's a 45-minute flight. Whereas I told him, okay, you know what? You're going to book Zurich to Geneva for tomorrow, and the day after, first thing in the morning, on your ticket, you will have Geneva to Vienna in Austria. And the funny thing, by doing this, it reduces the price of the whole ticket to about $120. So it went from $300 to $120. That's correct, yes. And he just doesn't go on to Vienna. He just gets off in Geneva. He gets and... off in Geneva and then goes home and that's it. When you do this kind of bookings, there are a few risks associated with this. One of the risks is... Uh, if you have a short layover in between your two two flights and basically by the end of the one, the one you don't want to take, there's a risk that if the first one is delayed, the airline will actually offer you to book you on a direct flight to your destination. Oh, they're like, oh, let me give you a direct flight. You're going to love this. And you're just like, oh, that's not what I wanted. Exactly. Yes. So that's that's one thing that that could be a very uh, that could be a problem. The other problem would be if you do it over and over and over again, and if you give them your frequent traveler number, they might actually cancel your card. Oh, they'll see that you're getting off and not reboarding the plane. Yes. And then that is that's something to look out for. Before we get into all of the different ways of travel hacking. Let's just put a pin in that for a second and go back to how you got into this. Because although I know a lot of people have a few tips or tricks of how to use miles, you've kind of taken this to a whole deeper level. And I'm curious how you got started and how you discovered this. Ten years ago, I was working for General Electric, and I was responsible for a support team on some of the largest video surveillance systems in the world. So we're talking about the subway in Paris, in Rio, some casinos in Vegas, some other top-level secu- top security facilities all around the world. Whenever these customers had some problems, the, f- the first thing is they had a first they had a, a local technical support. When these guys couldn't help, there was a regional technical support team, which was South America, North America, Africa, Europe, Asia. When these guys couldn't help, basically my phone was ringing. And I had to, to, to check who from my team or me, or I mean sometimes multiple people, had to fly there in order to find the, the issue and find the problem. At that point, I was based in Switzerland, and I was spending about a week per month back home. The rest of the time, I was traveling like crazy all around the world. And I spent, at some point, one week in the basement of the Kremlin in Moscow. What were you doing in the basement of the Kremlin? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny to realize that part of the video surveillance of the Kremlin is managed by an American company. What? Even now? Yeah. (laughs) I knew you'd love it. I I have to digest that. Tell me what you were doing while I digest that fact just a little bit. Basically... They had some issues. I cannot tell you that much. They had some issues with the cameras and making sure that the image from some of the cameras in some of the buildings were actually sent correctly to the, the control, to one of the control room in the basement of the Kremlin. What is it that you can't tell me? I promise I won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that. I know that. <laughs> no, is, I was uh, just finished this, uh, this trip in Moscow and I was about to come home and my phone rang and and some colleagues called me and said, hey, we have a huge problem in Vegas. We need you tomorrow. Which hotel do we book you? And I mean, if you look at a map, Moscow to Vegas, it's quite far away. You realize that I'm quite tall. I'm 6'4", six, uh, six or 1 meter 96 for people who prefer a metric system. The, the company was only paying economy, whatever the length of the flight was. So I'll let you imagine one week working 12, 12 14 hours nonstop, then 17 hours of travel 
to get to Vegas. And then I was three weeks nonstop. I saw some warehouses for this customer. Some of them were empty. Some of them were full or at least had something. And whenever I had to go, uh, I was in a warehouse that had something in it, I was always escorted by someone from the CDC. So what, what ostensibly were these warehouses in Las Vegas? I have Las no Vegas? idea. And at, at some point I asked, oh, what are you doing here? What is, what is it you're doing here? Basically, they looked at me and said, don't ask. Okay, this is going to be one of those podcasts where I thought we were going to be talking about travel hacking, and instead we're going to be getting all of these conspiracy theorists all up <laughs> in their panties. Um, <laughs> but I know that this gets to ultimately how you made the transition, and so I think it's an interesting story. So you never had any indication of what these warehouses contained or what you were, what were, you, where, what were you chartered with doing in Las Vegas? Just making sure that the, the cameras were working and the, the video surveillance systems were working. And they had actually some of the most advanced cameras I've seen because the, the system we used uh, was basically uh, connecting at the, uh, after the camera so you could connect any kind of camera on it. And at some point they showed me a camera where you could zoom in and basically see the face of someone about a mile and a half away. A mile and a half? Yeah. They had a pretty good Zoom. So this sounds like fun. Why would you go from flying around the world with interesting, intriguing security clearance and juicy projects to travel hacking? I mean, I know you did some other things in addition and still do, but what... You know, you're just flying on a company dollar and you're flying in coach. So do you remember what when you learned about this or what you first did or how you investigated this concept? That was that was on this flight to Vegas that I told you about before. It's from Moscow to Vegas. I had 17 hours to of traveling. And at some point I realized, OK, as a good engineer, is there a way for me to make it better? Is there a way for me to make it more comfortable, more affordable, more fun, while still keeping into company policy? And this is when I discovered the wonderful world of travel hacking. That was 10 years ago. It was the last flight I did in economy, except uh, uh, flights in Europe or in Asia for of under two hours. That was my last flight in economy. So it's been 10 years I haven't flown in um, in economy, only business class and first class. And I pay my, and basically most of the time, my flight tickets are cheaper than yours. When people are listening to this, it's not just because, okay, you just got so tired of it that you just started upgrading to business class. You actually found tips, tricks, and tactics to enable you to fly business class and first class yeah. in lieu of economy, but not spending more money. Let me give you an example. I have a customer because I mean, basically now I'm doing, I'm spending a lot more time working on helping people with travel hacking than on security or IT stuff. But still I do do, as you said, other things, but I have a customer who's based here in Switzerland in Zurich who called me just before new year, two months before new year, it's in, in October, back in October and say, Hey, I want to go to Japan for new year. Would you have something quite fun? And the problem is flights from Zurich to Japan are quite pricey. We're looking at about $4,000 return ticket in business class. So I told him, hey, you know what? What about you go see the pyramids? Have you ever seen the pyramids in Egypt? And so he actually, I mean, I had him book a flight. So he left Zurich to Cairo in Egypt in November, went to visit the pyramids spend a weekend there, and then came back to Zurich. Fast forward a month later, just before New Year, he flew from Zurich to Tokyo on the same ticket that originated in Cairo. He flew from Zurich to Cairo and, yeah. back, and back. Yeah. So basically, he had one ticket, Zurich to Cairo, and he had another ticket, Cairo to Zurich to Tokyo to Zurich to Cairo. These are some of the things that you call travel hacking. 
Yeah. And you have to have some flexibility in your schedule for some of these methods of travel hacking. Let's do this. Let's assume this is kind of the hardest level of travel hacking because I want to get into this kind of travel hacking. I want to get into the miles kind of travel hacking, the rewards the and the awards and the credit cards yep. and all of these things so that people listening to this can say, wow, this part is way too convoluted for me. I'm going to have to call someone like Guillaume to do this for me. Or, hey, I can do X, Y, and Z. This is, These are easy things for me to do. Let's start with looking at the different ways of travel and different adventures that you add to be able to ultimately fly less expensively. What are some of the ways, other than hiring you or a travel hacker, or other than getting a PhD in travel hacking, what are some shortcut tips and tricks for just messing with your destination and and your itinerary? So let me just give you one more details about this this customer who went for New Year to to Tokyo to to Japan. Uh, remember, the flight from Zurich to Tokyo was about four thousand in business class, and what about what about fifteen hundred in economy, which is still quite quite pricey. Basically, he paid fifteen hundred, including the flight to Cairo, including hotel in Cairo. So that was a free one weekend vacation before going for the the long two weeks New Year party in Japan. Wow. All right. Tell us how you did this and then give us some tips and tricks. So tips and tricks. Um, for people, I, mean, I love talking about the four C's. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about four seasons, but four C's. These are Cairo in Egypt, Casablanca in Morocco, Colombo in Sri Lanka, and Cape Town in South Africa. It might sound far for some of your audience and for some people, but basically these are the cities from from the where the the flight tickets are usually the cheapest. I had someone calling me the other day about a flight to Sydney, Australia. Going from Europe to Australia costs usually north of twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars most of the time. If you fly from Europe to Cairo, it costs you maybe two hundred. And then Cairo to Australia, most of the time costs about 1200 in business class. You would just add that Cairo loop because that's one of the C's in order to get to Sydney. You yeah. could, and, and can you get off the plane and have an adventure or do you just have to fly to Cairo and then transfer? No, no. I mean, you can spend as long as you want in Cairo. That's the idea. And basically that's the idea is when I talked before about maximizing your travel experience, that's what I'm telling talking about, which is making sure that sometimes it will not be cheaper, but you will get more out of it, whatever that is. Are there specific websites that you can recommend that people use to book these flights? Do you just go to Kayak or Travelocity? or are there- you can, Yeah, you can use any online travel agent. Um, sometimes you might want to look into what's the best. Um, if you go on my website, there's a booking comparison tool. Which, which allows you to compare flight tickets and, um, and book online directly. It's on booking.milesaddict.com. I'll, uh, I'll just, uh, I'll, you probably just put it in the notes. I will. I'll put everything, all the links in the show notes, and we'll have you repeat some of these at the end as well. Wonderful. So that's, uh, that's one. Um, another one which is quite interesting is Skip Lagda. Um, Can you is, say that again? Yeah, it's, it's, S-K-I-P-L-A-G-G-E-D.com. Skip lagged. Basically, they managed, they actually worked on doing an algorithm to do more of what's called hidden city ticketing. So the idea is just, as I said before, for this uh, this flight from uh, from Zurich to Geneva to Vienna, is just add some extra legs at the end. And they are so good that United actually sued them. Who sued them? United Airlines. Oh, why? Because they, what they're doing, what they're offering to their, to their visitors goes against the rules of the airlines. Some airlines like it a lot less than others. Can someone who utilizes that service be personally liable or have their flights canceled? Or Usually not. There's still a risk, but very limited. Is this different for European travelers? 
Asian travelers, African travelers, American travelers, South American travelers. Are, are these programs or the four C's, are, does, is it different, these travelers? Mm, well, the four C's are just cities where you can originate from. So if you can position yourself, so you can, if you can basically go there, buying a ticket from there uh, makes it cheaper. And this works also for around-the-world tickets. Tell me about around-the-world tickets. Give me an example. You're based in Portland, Oregon. Yes. So let's say that instead of buying a flight tickets from Portland to Portland as around-the-world, which will cost you in business class about 6 to 8K, you could actually buy a ticket to, to Cairo or to Colombo in Sri Lanka or some other places uh, like uh, Luanda in Angola comes to mind. Sometimes some South American cities also make it quite nice. Well, like lately I checked for a round-the-world ticket from, uh, originating from Colombo in Sri Lanka. It will cost you about 3K, 3 to 4K in business class. You get to the one of the C locations or one of the optimal locations, and yeah. then you if you start from there with your round-the-world ticket it's that much less that getting there yeah plus the ticket is still significantly less than the round the world ticket if you just originated yeah. you you could actually buy a, tic- a, a round trip ticket to colombo then take a round the world ticket that gives it brings you back to colombo at some point you might actually make it f- fly again through through portland and so you have uh, some time also to to spend back home before continuing and then you just have another flight back home with the with the return tickets or your, your original ticket to colombo what are the limitations of an around the world t- uh, ticket is this something where it ta- you have to do it all within a month or within a year what what would be the profile what would that look like it basically it really depends on on the programs, but most of the time, it's minimum of one or two weeks. It's a minimum and a maximum uh, of stops, and there's a, there's usually a maximum of one year, but you can actually optimize it and extend it somehow. Are there whole groups of people who travel hack for whom? traveling might not even be financially viable without this option? Of course. I mean, looking at all the flights I've done in first class and business class, I could never have afforded paying full fare. Well, let's, let me give you an, another example. I mean, two years ago, my daughter, she was one years old, and we went for New Year to Dubai. And flying from Geneva to Dubai, I mean, we thought with a one-year-old baby, it would be better to, to take a direct flight. Well, we had some extra advantages for this, which is we managed to fly in business class. We use some miles. I'll get back to this in a minute. And by using the miles, we actually manage to to do a very expensive, I mean, to get a very expensive ticket being uh, really affordable. And the funny thing is when you have an infant with you without seats, with a lot of airlines, you pay about 10% of the regular price. The funny thing is my daughter's ticket was the most expensive one because we had to pay 10% of the regular fare. So basically, we had to, had to pay about $1,000 for her tickets. We paid less for our tickets. And the way we did it is actually we bought some miles at some specific price during a promotion in order to to get these tickets. I want to delve into that, because otherwise I'm going to be too jealous hearing about all, hearing about this Dubai trip. When you think about travel hacking, it seems to break down into a few different chunks of how you do it. One is manipulating where you start or where you end, kind of that hidden hidden city ticketing or yeah. or things like that. The other is points and some of the bonus programs. And I know that it differs in Europe versus the US, for example, but let's start with the airlines. Are there a couple of airlines that you think have the very best programs in terms of reciprocity, in terms of flexibility. Let's talk about the airlines, then let's move into the credit cards, and then let's move into the bonus, you know, like the star, what is it, Starwood or whatever those. When when someone wants to start with travel hacking, I always tell them, okay, take, I mean, open some accounts with at least a few airlines, at least one in each of the large three alliances, 
which is Thailand's Sky Team and One World. Wait, say that again. Star Alliance, which oh. is so Star Alliance, which is a United Lufthansa, um, Singapore Airlines, uh, South African, Avianca, and other other airlines. The Star Alliance you would open because I have from you know a hundred years ago United Miles. Are you saying that if I open Star Alliance, it would wrap? In United no, and a lot of other airlines, I don't understand. No, it means that you you would have you you have to have at least one card with one airline in this alliance. So if you have one with United, it's a good start. Depending on how you travel, you might actually want to open an account with Asiana, who's based in Asia, with Aegean Airlines, which is a Greek airline that most people haven't heard about. And basically, the good thing if I mean for some people who travel a bit. It's quite interesting because you do about two to three business class you know, uh, economy between Europe and, and the US, and you, uh, and you get Starlands Gold. Starlands Gold allows you to get free lounge access and so on, including when you're, in, you're flying United in the US. The funny thing, you know, if you have the United card and if you go to a certain level where you have the gold access, if you, tr- if you travel domestic, they will not give you most of the time access to the lounges. Whereas if you travel domestic with uh, a card which is not from United, you will get lounge access. Do you have to travel in that air with it, that airline, or do no? You... It has to be a partner. It, that's the oh. good thing. That's when you have when you have some status in one of, one of the alliances. It's valid for on whichever airline you're flying from this alliance. So it pays to get some of these or sign up for some of these bonus programs, even if you're not going to be flying on that Greek airline necessarily. Uh, Okay, so we're going to put all of those in the show notes. Those are the Star Alliance airlines. What are some of the others we should consider? For One World, uh, American Airlines is quite good. Uh, British Airways is good. And LAN also, the Latin American airline is quite, quite good. So you might want actually to open, I mean, I mean, it doesn't cost anything. So basically open an account with all of them. So you could just go and just open all of these accounts. Yes. When I'm traveling United and I have all of these other accounts in the same alliance with United, I can then whip out my Greek airline card and get into, potentially get into a domestic lounge when I'm not flying international. That is correct. Yes. Okay. That's an interesting thing. I did not know that. And I thought I've gotten some good, I've gotten some good lessons from you, but I didn't, you held out on me on that one. All right. So then (laughs) there's the Star Alliance. What was the other one that you said that included the Latin America? That's One World. One World. One World. So there's uh, there's American Airlines, British Airways. Then there's also uh, Iberia, which is the Spanish airline. And the funny thing, actually, the miles program from, um, from British Airways it's called Avios. And when you get, when you try to redeem points from them in order to get a free, a free or somehow free ticket, you will have to add some money on top of this. And British Airways, they will add a lot of taxes on this. British going through Heathrow is one of the most expensive in terms of service and fees. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And the funny thing is whenever you, I mean, if you have miles with them, Whenever you want to redeem for any airline, it's going to cost you like crazy. One thing you can do is actually transfer your avios from British Airways to Iberia because they have the same uh, program, but they don't have the same redemption rules. All right. I'm very curious about what you said about how to get around British airline fees. And I'll tell you why. Because Alaska Airline, which is one of my favorite programs, is an affiliate with British Air. But when you book Alaska flights using points, which they make very easy, and I think that they are just a delightful company to deal with, and you fly through Heathrow with British Air, your taxes and fees cost almost as much as the flight. Yeah. And there's not there's nothing you can do uh, against this, sadly. Oh. However, if you have miles with British Airways, you will have to, to pay the same amount of taxes, but you could actually transfer these miles from British Airways to Iberia, which is a Spanish airline, 
and get a lot less taxes on some tickets that you want to issue. But yes, it's, if you're flying, if you have miles with Alaska, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to, to fly on British Airways. Yeah. Bummer. All right. We've got the Star Alliance. We've got the other group that you... One World. One yeah. World, right? And what are and there... There's, there's also Sky Team, which is Air France, KLM, Delta. Sky Team. So are those the three major ones or are there others? Yeah, these are the three, these are the three main, main alliances. And do you recommend you get at least sign up for one airline from each of these alliances? Yes. Or do you think, heck, sign up for all of these airlines? No, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to sign up for all of them. Uh, well, you could. That's not an issue. But um, at least sign up for one in each alliance and then start there. There's a website which is called wheretocredits.com. Where to credit? Where and, can you spell that? Where is it? Is it W H E R E? W H E R E T O C R E D I T dot com. Ah, where to credit? Okay. Basically, you say, "Hey, I'm flying. Let's say, um, well, let's, uh, let's let's use Alaska. Yeah, yeah, I'm flying Alaska Airlines in any booking class, and the system will tell you, okay, if you're flying economy in uh, a, a T class, which is whenever you have a booking, it tells you." Business uh, economy, business class, uh, first class, and premium economy, they're split in smaller subclasses with, um, that are defined by a letter. And where to credit, you tell them, hey, I'm flying on this class, and it will tell you on which program it will bring you the most amount of miles. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's a good tip. We'll definitely have that in the show notes. Yeah. Now, are there miles, before we move on from the airlines, we're trying to give as many tips and tricks, but it's a, I know it's a vast topic, which is why sometimes I just think I'm going to call you and hire you when I, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a undertaking. Are there airlines or times or ways to buy miles on these airlines in other words are there times you know every december you can look for or there are alerts to tell you that you can buy extra miles at discounts on iberia or whatever or should you just look into it at the point of booking your trip or should you bank them should you buy them when they're cheap and bank them so the earlier you know about a trip the most the, the better because the, the higher the probability of finding a word availability. The thing is, frequent flyer I mean, frequent flyer miles, you have to consider it as a currency, which will always devaluate over time. Why? Because any time the airline can say, hey, you know what, your miles, they were worse. You needed 100,000 miles for this, this trip. Now you need 400,000. Yeah, that happened. That that happens. I've seen that happen. So you really shouldn't be banking and buying no. miles unless you are booking a trip within a short period of time after buying those miles because you could be buying the miles and then finding out that by the time you need to spend them, it's costing you twice what you thought it would cost you. Exactly. That's exactly this. So yes, you could, I mean, there are some airlines which will sell you miles. And I love talking about my Colombian Colombian dealer. And no, it's not what you think. <laughs> Your Colombian dealer. Okay. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. I'm curious. So I told you before about uh, one of the member of Star Islands, which is Avianca. Avianca is the national airline of Colombia. They are a member of Star Islands, and they have an interesting program, which is called Life Miles. Life Miles, they will sell you miles on a very regular basis at a very, very discounted price. That is, for people who are not in the U.S., and I'll get back to this in a minute, it makes a lot of sense because basically you can buy miles on promotion with Avianca and use them not on Avianca, but on the partner. Whenever I want to fly on Lufthansa first class, I buy miles with Avianca. Oh. I buy for about two, two to $2,000 uh, $2, to $2,500, I buy enough miles for a round-trip first class ticket from Europe to the U.S. What would that cost on Lufthansa if you did the same thing? Uh, about uh, about fifteen to twenty k. Well, that's quite a savings. <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling you, there's a funny, I mean, a few, a few interesting stories. 
whenever you're connecting in Frankfurt and when you, let's say when, whenever I arrive in Frankfurt from Geneva, most of the time the air, airplane is actually parked far away and then um, away from the from the terminal. So there's a bus coming to to pick you up. And the funny thing is I usually know that the rest of my trip will be nice when everybody's going into the bus and there's a Porsche Cayenne waiting for me by the by, by the plane. Okay, how did you arrange that? Basically, because I was flying first class. That's it. Oh. And remember when I told you about uh, when I went with my daughter to and my wife to Dubai? Yes. Well, the the chauffeur service was included. That is, someone came to my home to pick us up. And when you have a, ba- a one-year-old baby, you have a lot of luggage. That makes a lot of sense. And then when we arrived in Dubai, we had the chauffeur to drive us anywhere we wanted in the country. That was part of your first class? That was part of the first class ticket, uh, the business class ticket, yes. I think this is fantastic because now I'm already having ideas and there'll be, like I said, a lot in the show notes that will tell people about these different airlines. Let's move into the credit cards. And I know it differs uh, depending on whether you are in Europe or Asia or yeah. North America, but what are some just general tips, tricks about credit cards? What should we be paying attention to? For you as, as you're an American, you can get a lot of points with credit cards. Right now, the most interesting ones are the platinum card from American Express, the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card, and the uh, if you have a business, the Inc. Business Preferred Credit Card from Chase also. This changes all the time, but currently they have promotions. Basically, some of them have promotions where when you buy, when you get the card, and when you 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 spend maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars on it within the first few months, they'll give you between fifty and eighty thousand points or miles. That translates for you a business class ticket from Portland, Oregon to Tokyo. If you are really looking at making travel and adventure a priority, you're probably wise to charge as much as you can on one of these cards that is optimized for travel points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually, ironically, we have a Swiss credit card, UBS, and I didn't yep. know. I mean, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good point system, but most of the benefits are deep, deep, deep in the bowels of the website. you They don't make it obvious. You have to click and find, and we've had things expire, and there's free, I mean, we had free global uh, entry reimbursement. We had a free, we didn't even know for years, we didn't know because they don't, they don't put it out there, but they free to any lounge in the, in the world, all kinds of benefits. If it was easy, it would not be fun. <laughs> well, I'll speak for and yourself. basically, if it was easy, everybody would do it, and the lounges would be it would be like impossible to to reach, always full. So maybe we should tell people, unless you're really, really motivated and deserving, you should not be listening to this podcast and getting all of these tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, there are the credit cards that you recommended, and what do you advise for people who don't have those credit cards? And what do you advise for people who do? In other words, where do you, should you be looking deep in the bowels of the website for what your credit card offers? And what are some things that you have found that most people don't know that would be fun to share? Well, if you have an American Express, make sure to register to the membership rewards program. Oh, it's not automatic? It's not automatic? No, it's not. If you have the regular card, it's not automatic. If you take the the, the platinum or the, the one of the, the the more expensive card, yes, it's automatic. But if you take the first one, the the the, the basic American Express, it's not automatic. Basically, every time you will spend some money, you will get points. These points will translate to, can be transferred to a lot of um, African fly programs, and that's the interesting thing. That's what I like about American Express, is. And that's also what I like about the, the Starwood program. It's what we call, yeah, it's a transferable currency. So that whenever I see availability for the flight I want to take, then I will transfer my American Express points to, let's say, Lufthansa or to Avianca or to Singapore Airlines or to Emirates or whatever. Can you do it yourself or do you have to call the airline and, and have no, them? No, you, you do it yourself directly on the website. Oh, so you find the flight you want and then you apply the points. Do most of these points just apply apply to flights or can you buy 
tour packages or hotel packages or some of them you can buy you can buy tour or hotel packages but then for hotel re- remember i have uh, an interesting a few interesting tips that i that i wrote in uh, in an ebook a few few months ago how can people access that ebook uh, we'll just add the link to the um, the show notes in the in the show notes but it's on my website on milesaddicts.com just register uh just give your email and you will get it but basically on a very high level and the way it works is a lot of hotel programs they have a system called the best rate guarantee best best rate guarantee states that uh, if you find a hotel cheaper than on their website they will match this price Plus, they will give you some incentive. And the incentive can be 10, 20, 30, 50% off, or sometimes your first night free. The first night free, even on a one night stay. So basically, staying for free in, in, at the hotel. Yes, that works. I've, been, I've done it a few times already. What is the trick? When, there, there's a few tricks, but one trick which is quite interesting and very straightforward. Actually, let me give you two kayak. Kayak.com. It just shows you a lot of prices for, for hotels, and it will show you and the, the the chain the price for the chain and the price for other places, and that's it. If you see cheaper somewhere else, just verify on both sides and book it. Then you can use also uh, Google Maps, which now has a lot. I mean, all the prices about the hotels. Google Maps. Google Maps. Just go to Google Maps. Go to the area you want, you're looking for. So just search for hotel. It will ask you which date you want, and it will give you the price directly for these hotels. And it will show you, hey, it's you can get it at that price on this website, that price on that other website, and that price on that other website. If you find it cheaper, let's say you you want to go on um, on a Starwood at the Sheraton, if the it will tell you, hey, it's going to cost you maybe $150 on the Sheraton website. It will cost you $100 on that obscure website or whatever. Well, then you can just basically go on the Starwood's website and request a best rate guarantee. And so they will match it to the 100 plus they will, uh, they will reduce it by 20%. So basically you will pay only $80 for a $150 room. Is it easy to find out what hotels participate in the best rate guarantee? Well, most of them just go on the website and, and see if they, if it says best rate guarantee or best fare guarantee or best uh, best price guarantee or something or something similar. You go onto a website that has that, you click on that, you book it, and then do you go back and tell them, hey, I found this for $100 cheaper. Or, that is correct, yes. Oh, so you book it first and then you go back to them and say, I found I found it cheaper. Do you have to call them? Is there some way you can just do it online? It depends. Usually it's online. It's online and you, you book it on their website and say, or, but you might want to book a, a fully refundable ticket or a room. You know why? Because then if they, they, they refuse, the, if they say, no, I mean, we don't agree, we didn't see the same price and blah, blah, blah. This happens a few times. Then you just cancel the booking. Right. And okay. You, and you just look for another, another hotel. Have you done this before? Oh yeah, plenty of times. Tell me the tell me the most interesting time that you were ever able to take advantage of the best price guarantee at, on at a hotel. Two weeks in Tenerife, which is in the Canary Islands. So by so it's it belongs to Spain, but it's it's about uh, it's off the coast of uh, of Morocco. So two weeks in a four star hotel with breakfast, which was just completely crazy. We paid about fifty dollars a night. And what would have been the price had you not done the best price guarantee? Triple that. Oh, wow. Okay, that seems worth it. All right, now, before... That's, that, oh, yeah, yeah. There, and there was another one. There was a Hilton in um, in Orlando. And the funny thing is, Hilton, they have a program which says, hey, if you find cheaper somewhere, we'll match it and we'll give you $50 cash. The way it worked is that this hotel in Orlando... They had a special offer on their website, which says, hey, it's our birthday, so for the specific dates, you only pay $40 a night. They paid me to, to stay at the hotel. <laughs> I found uh, this price online. I booked the $100 a night. I just told them, hey, you know, I found it at $40. So they actually matched it to $40. That was very straightforward. So I went to the hotel, paid $40. And when I came home, I had actually a check in the mail for 50 bucks. 
I love that. All right. Now, before we wrap up, and I think this is great because it really breaks down to the hotels, the airlines, the credit cards. Are there anything before we wrap up with the lounges that we should be aware of? Or is that just one of the benefits? Are there? So the lounges, if you don't have any status, if you're not flying business class or whatever, uh, two programs which are quite interesting. The first one is Priority Pass. Cost about, I mean, starts at $150 a year and up to 300 I think, for, um, for unlimited access. I have an Alaska lounge card, which I got for free with my credit card. And that is the UBS credit card. Thank you, Switzerland. And then we also have in the fine print that you can get the free, that free pass. The problem with that pass is that if the people who have the actual lounge cards are there and it's full, sometimes they won't take the priority pass. You can't get in because they want the specific members. What is your most outrageous adventure that you ever took travel hacking? And can you share how you made it happen? Hmm. That was a trip I took to to the carnival in Rio, then continuing to Iguazu Falls, and then continuing to Buenos Aires. And actually, that was US Airways. They had a program back then, which was called uh, um, a promotion back then, which was called the Grand Slam. You should you, you should use uh, some of the partners get some get some activity by using your credit cards or by using, getting points from some of the partners. And whenever you had a certain amount of points uh, from their partners, then they would give you extra miles. And in that case, you could go all the way to up to 100,000 extra miles. Actually, some of the partners, as I'm not in the US, some of them are a bit complex to, to get. But the way I did is uh, some of them were, let's say, some restaurants. I needed to go to a restaurant in the U.S. with my credit card to validate it. And at that point, I did not have, have time to fly to U.S. and back just for 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 a meal. So I went to to the website of their partner, which um, gave the system where I, I could actually pay with my credit card and and, uh, and looked if there was any pizza place and maybe a pizza place who would deliver. And there was a pizza place at, uh, in a small town in the U.S. So I went on Google Maps and looked if there was any fire station close by. And so I went online on the on the, the pizza place website, ordered 10 pizzas, got, the, got them delivered to the fire station with a small note say, hey, thanks, thanks guys for your help. You're saving lives. Here, here's some free food. And then what did that get you? That, that's brilliant. What did that get that, you? That, gave, that, get, that got me some points some point and eventually that allowed me to get a business class ticket from Europe to Sao Paulo where I took my girlfriend from time to then so we then drove to Rio then from there we flew to Iguazu where I proposed by the falls she said yes by the way and then we continued to Buenos Aires and then we flew back from Buenos Aires in business class on Lufthansa and I paid less than $800 in pizzas and other stuff to get these two business class tickets. That's a great story. You did a good deed and you snagged a hot wife in the process. I think that's, that is correct. I yeah. think travel hacking is worth exploring. I really appreciate your sharing, generously sharing a lot of these tips and tricks. And I do understand that for some people it's complicated. I think that there are some low hanging fruits like joining some of the airlines and maybe even optimizing the credit cards you use. But the thing I like about it is that you are always an email away. Definitely. And I appreciate that. Before we wrap up, I always like to ask what I call quick curious questions or QCQs. So I am yeah. going to subject you to these questions. Ooh. What in the last, last six months has been your most valued or favorite under $100 purchase? I see two things. One of them is a Ledger Nano, which is um, a hardware wallet to hold cryptocurrencies. Say that again. What is it called? It's called a Ledger Nano. Oh, Ledger Nano. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a wallet, but it's an electronic wallet to hold cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on. 
because I started uh, also investing a bit in cryptocurrencies. And the problem is you need to store your, um, your, your, your wallet or your keys in a way that it cannot be hacked, it cannot be uh, taken away. The other one is a bit different, is skis for my, for my daughter, small skis. Okay. So she started skiing and it said that was a great way to spend time outside and just uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the snow. That's, in my opinion an even better answer. Not that I'm judging your answers. How does she like skiing? She loved it. I mean, she just started, I mean, she's three years old, so she's just started, and these small skis are about the size of my, let's say, of my foot, roughly. <laughs> All right, and the final QCQ question, and I'm actually really curious about this because I know you and I haven't really ever asked you this before or ha you've never really shared this before, but. What is something that you believe that most people think is crazy? Well, I believe that it's very easy to travel the world on a very tight budget, but doing it in style. Okay. Well, I think you've proven that, and I guess it matters to a certain There are so many people think I'm crazy. Well, you are crazy, but that's that's you know, but that's beside the point. But I do think also, I guess it depends on your definition or one's definition of affordable. But I certainly think that more people can probably have greater adventures with tips, tricks, and methods that, and some of which you've shared. So I think that's. When you say affordable, let me give you another example. Then uh, I had a friend calling me some months ago and say, hey, I want to go to Maldives, blah, blah, blah. And, and would you have something and how much would the, the, the flights be? To which I said, hey, why do you want to go to Maldives? Yeah, because it's nice beaches and so on. So you know what? What about instead of getting your $1,000 economy ticket to Maldives, followed by $500 a night, uh, Bangalore on the beach, uh, not including food and drinks and whatever. What about instead you go to some other places less known but as pristine, as uh, beautiful? And basically I show them with that with a budget, a, even a lower budget, they could fly business class. I mean, one of them went to Zanzibar off the coast of, uh, of Tanzania and staying in a in beautiful hotel for yeah cheaper price than going to Maldives. In 2019, if I gave you carte blanche, you know, what, how, give me the greatest adventure for the least amount of money, and I have X number of days. All right. So for you, maybe you could go, well, let's see. There's a few interesting places. Do you want it hot or cold? Warm or cold? Well, I like both. I think I prefer warm, but I also love to ski and do a lot of those winter outdoor activities. But, you know, just to be cold for cold sake, but I would love to go be cold to see northern lights or hiking in the snow or skiing or any of those kinds of things. So I guess I, I like both. Have you ever been to Argentina? No. Okay. So you might want to actually aim for Buenos Aires, spend a few, I mean, spend three, four days there at least. Or a small week when it's a beautiful city and then just head south all the way south to Ushuaia and then you go, you go on, a, on a boat trip all the way to Antarctica. Oh, to go to Tierra del Fuego and then down to yep. Antarctica. Okay. Yep. So then you get the hot and the, or the warm and the cold. That is correct. Okay. So start thinking about that. I might, uh, it'll be interesting to see if any listeners want to call in and have a fantasy trip designed by you, would that be something that you would be up to considering? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I have a lot of a lot, a lot of fun ideas of places to to show you and to 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 discover in the world. Fantastic. Well I so appreciate you sharing some of these tips and tricks and there'll be tons and tons of links in the show notes. So people who really want to take advantage of travel hacking or get in touch with you will be able to do so at Applied Curiosity Lab forward slash blog. Thank you, Guillaume. I really, really appreciate this. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for your time. And one one last thing also. Um, 
whatever happens, never, ever, ever post a picture of your boarding pass on social media. Because any, I mean, it could be stolen, and you could you could actually, I mean, people, some people could actually cancel your your, your ticket with this, and get and get you and steal and steal your money. All right. Well, this is fantastic. I may have to hit you up for some cryptocurrency conversations at another time, but for travel hacking, this has just been chock full. Thanks so much, and have a good evening. Thank you. I mean, I'm probably going to bed right now. Guillaume Cher is a professional travel hacker and founder of Miles Addict. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a quick question and a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes and all resources mentioned at appliedcuriositylab.com forward slash blog. And the question, would you enjoy joining the ranks of curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers? If so, you are invited to join the Tribe of the Curious. You'll receive Quick Curiosity Monday. This short weekly email is curiosity lube for your brain. It consists of ideas I'm pondering, curiosities the tribe has shared, and things that I'm enjoying that I suspect you might too. Just go to appliedcuriositylab.com to join, or you can probably just pick your favorite search engine and type in Tribe of the Curious. And let's connect online at Becky Saltzman on Twitter and on Facebook at Applied Curiosity Lab. Finally, in order to avoid missing insights from outside the boundaries of ordinary, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and all the other places podcasts hide and wait to be discovered. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.